0: Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church and welcome to our podcast. I wanna thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. All right, let's go. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the associate pastors here at the church. Uh, Pastor Jeff is traveling this week and uh, I mentioned last week that during summer we like to get him out of here as much as possible. Like to let him and Jess and their family go and sort of recharge and hear from the Holy Spirit and hear direction. It's almost like a sabbatical uh, during the summer that we, uh, we, we encourage him to take. Uh, And so this summer, we have a lot of great uh, speakers that you're going to hear from. Listen, can we give it up real quick for Mr. Will Jackson last week? Wasn't that amazing? Will did such an incredible job. And uh, I just want to tell you that it's an honor every time I speak to you. I don't ever take this lightly when I come up here. Uh, And it's an honor to be in the trenches with you guys. You know, a lot of times Megan and I are up here after the service, we're praying with you and there are situations that are going on in your life. Let me me just tell you, we talk about those situations during the week. We pray for you guys. I know Pastor Jeff, you know, he'll call me during the week and hey, what's going on with this person? What's going on here? It's an honor for me to be able to serve as, as one of your pastors here at the church. And it's an honor to speak with you this morning. And I believe the Lord's given something to us that he's gonna share with us. He's gonna speak to us. And he's gonna move in this house, amen? Okay, let's take just a second. We're just gonna pray. I just, I feel God's spirit here. I know he's gonna move in a great way this morning, amen? So let's just take a second, quiet our hearts. and Let's call out to him, okay? God, we're asking you for manna this morning. God, give us the bread from heaven, Lord. Give us the words that you wanna speak. You said that people couldn't live by bread alone, but we have to live by every word that comes out of your mouth. When you were here on the earth, you asked, as many people were leaving you, you asked if the disciples were gonna leave you too. And I love Peter's response to you. He says, he says, Lord, where are we gonna go? God, where else are we gonna go? Lord, you have the words to eternal life. And that's what we want here this morning. We want your words, Lord. We want your words to eternal life to come in and to penetrate our hearts, God, and to speak to us this morning in a way that you only can, Lord. We're counting on you for it. God, I have nothing for your people, Lord. It's only your spirit, God, that can give us anything this morning. We depend on it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hey, can you give this band and Ray and everybody who works so hard every Sunday morning a big round of applause? All right, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, how many of you have a physical Bible? Pastor Jeff's been asking that. How many have a physical Bible? All right, if you have your Bibles with you, you have an electronic Bible, something on your phone, a tablet, turn to Matthew chapter 5. That's where we're going to be reading this morning. Uh, and before we read, I want to show you a quick photo. All right, can you put that photo up for me? All right, so this was a photo, Pastor Jeff mentioned this, that a lot of the staff went down to Norris Lake and we had an incredible time. It was a lot of fun. We ate way too much food and clowned around and we uh, uh, had like tubing wars on the back of boats and it was crazy and people got hurt and injured and it was a lot of fun. And listen, there, there, was, a, uh, there was a karaoke night that got a little out of control, Okay. I'm, yeah, I may or may not have dropped some early 90s rap on everybody. All right. So they saw a different side of, of Pastor Ryan. There's some video f- floating a- around about that. But listen, we had such a great time and it was just a, a, a time to kind of decompress. And on our way back, so show the next picture. On our way back, my family stopped at Bucky's. Any Bucky's fans in here? All right. Now listen, I, so I had never been to a Bucky's and everybody kept telling me, like, you got to go to Bucky's, right? So I went there and that place is insane. It's bananas. And there were nine, so this didn't help because there were nine billion people in Bucky's. It was 4th of July weekend, right? And so we just went in there and it was just wall to wall. Like there's crazy people and it's this crazy experience. And so then we get back in the car and we're on our way home and I'm thinking on my way home. Now, my weeks uh, and my days at work fell just right to where I had like three more days off work after this. Okay, so listen, when I got like three days off work, I had one mission, okay, and I was gonna completely unplug. Like I wasn't checking laptops, and Megan and I have got some rules about this, right? Because I'm a little bit of a workaholic, and so I sometimes I'll sneak and do a little bit of work. No, I'm gonna completely unplug, all right? And when I get in that mindset, now I feel like there's, wh- listen, when I have, a couple days that I'm just gonna completely unplug, I feel like I've got a couple phases that I go through, all right? And phase one is like invincibility, all right? I know that I've got three days off work and I don't care what you say to me, I don't care what you do, you could punch me in the face, like there is nothing that's gonna bother me, there's nothing that's gonna affect me. I have three days to just unplug and decompress, all right? Phase two, I like to call my dumb movie phase, all right? Now, Megan gets upset with me because I have this craving inside for really bad movies, okay? And then there, and so th- listen, there are. to be fair, there are some movies that I watched like back in the day that seemed really good, but then I watch them now and they're like, ooh, this is rough, all right? So during this phase, I watched uh, uh, Cliffhanger, all right, have any, any of you seen Cliffhanger? Sylvester Stallone. All right, this is a good one, and Megan hated it the entire time. She was like doing other stuff, but I was in this movie, and it's got uh, John Lithgow in there, and he's the bad guy, and he's got this—he's re- got this really outrageous British bad guy accent, like it's so over the top and so—it's uh, just so much. It's but that's phase two. All right, now phase three is where. I get a little bit contemplative, all right? And I start thinking about like the deep questions of life. Especially if like Megan and the kids are doing some things, like they're doing their own thing, I'll get a little bit like introspective, okay? And sometimes I, you know, like just get a little emotional. Like sometimes I start texting people and telling, "Listen, if I if I ever call you at midnight, and I'm just like telling you how much I love you, like don't worry, like I haven't been drinking, I haven't fallen off the wagon or anything, like most likely I've just been off work for a little too long, and I'm thinking about stuff, and I'm just, I love everybody, right, and this is the way I get, all right, this is phase three. And so I'm kinda in phase three, like it's been a couple of days into this, and I start asking myself these deep questions, all right, like like what really matters in life? Okay, and, and what's my purpose, and, and, am I, and, and what's important, and, and am I treating my family okay? Like all of these deep, deep questions. Now listen, it's really good sometimes to unplug and decompress, all right? A lot of times we're just going, 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 and we don't ever stop, and we don't ever stop to ask ourselves these questions, like, where am I in life? Like, what's, what's going on in my life right now? Like, where, where are my emotions, and, and where am I with God, and what's my relationship with him look like right now? Okay, I read this stat the other day. It said that the average American looks at a screen, I want you to think about how much you look at a screen during the day, the average American seven hours a day. That's on average. Seven of your awake hours, right? Seven hours a day. Look, I did the math on this. That comes up to like over 124-hour days per year that we're just on a screen. And so sometimes you just need to unwind and decompress and hear from him. Listen, there are times that I just know I've been going hard and I've been going after it, and I just need to hear his heart, amen? I just need to hear, like, what God is speaking to me and what, you know, is on his mind. I just need to connect with him. And so there's this story in Matthew chapter 25 of this, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5 of this group of people who are doing just that, and they're following him around, and, they're, and I'm talking, like, for days they're following him. Okay, and this is a desperate group of people and they need healing and they're oppressed and they've got all kinds of issues and they've got all kinds of problems and they wanna hear something from Jesus, okay? And that's where we're gonna pick up in Matthew chapter five, we'll start with verse one. Okay, it says, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and he taught them. All right, now let's pause right there for a second. Okay, now this is very interesting phrasing. Now, sometimes you might read the Bible and you're like, everything's interesting in the Bible, right? There's some crazy stuff in the Bible. But this is really interesting and there's significance behind the way that this is written here, okay? So for anyone back then who knew Israel's history All right, and I've heard biblical scholars lay this out much more beautifully than I'm about to do, all right? So if you ever wanna hear the the, the full version, I'm gonna give you a couple of snippets, okay? But for anybody who knew Israel's history, they understood that Jesus's life paralleled Israel's history, okay? Thousands of years prior, all right? So for example, Israel in the time of famine, they fled to Egypt, right? Where did Jesus's parents take him to flee from Herod? To Egypt, right? Okay, and then Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River. And the children of Israel, in order to get into the promised land, they have to cross what? The Jordan River, okay? And then they wander in the wilderness for 40 years, okay? And for 40 days, Jesus is tempted, where? In the wilderness, all right? And then this is where the story starts to diverge a little bit, all right? Moses goes up onto this mountain, okay? And nobody can go up with him. Right? In fact, the Bible says that they're terrified of the voice of God. They ask Moses to ask God to stop speaking because they're terrified of his voice. Right. Nobody wants to get near this. Nobody wants to touch this. And God opens his mouth and he speaks to Moses and he gives him what? The 10 Commandments, exactly, right? Now here we have Jesus much later on in the story and he goes up on this mountain and he's got the multitudes around him and he's got the disciples beside him and he sits down on this mountain and this time the people are all around, right? They wanna be near him. They wanna touch him. They wanna hear what this guy has to say. And one more time, God opens his mouth and he begins to teach them and he has things of significance to say. Wouldn't it be nice if God just spoke sometimes, right? Like just spoke into, like, like, hey, here's what I want you to do. Here's where I want you to work. Here's where I want you to live. Here's how many kids I want you to have. So the Bible says that in Hebrews, that in times past, God spoke to us many, many different ways. But it says today that he speaks to us directly through his son, Jesus, Who is the express image of who God is? Okay, so if you ever wanna know what God looks like, if you ever wanna know what God's thinking, if you wanna know God's thoughts towards you, if you wanna know his plans towards you, you need to look no further than Jesus, all right? And Jesus has one motivation throughout this whole story and throughout all of the New Testament. It is to do one thing. It is to bring people closer to God. Okay, so if you wanna know what God's will for your life is, look, I'm gonna give you a real good start. It's draw close to God, all right? Now, we do that a little bit different. We, we approach God a little bit differently, okay? Because the Bible says that he's a spirit. So we gotta, we gotta approach him, we gotta worship him in spirit and in truth with nothing hidden, right? Because God knows everything anyway. So when you approach him, he knows what's going on in your life. He knows what you need. He knows the areas you've failed. He knows the areas you've messed up. He knows the areas you've done done well, right? So we approach him in spirit and in truth. So here we go. This is the first major public sermon that Jesus is gonna give, okay? The multitudes are there. They're waiting. There's this anticipation in the air about what he's gonna speak, and here's what he says in verse three. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All right, now, of anything that he could say here, like what does he want me to do or where does he want me to live or how does he want me to be? Jesus starts his sermon out with, blessed are the poor in spirit because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So Jesus is talking about who God gives his blessings to, right? How many of you want God's blessings? You're like, hey, I wanna be in that group. I wanna know how to get God's blessings. Now, listen, I want you to think for a second. What do you even think of when I say the word blessing? Like, what's the, just, you know, you don't have to say it out loud, but just what's the first thing that pops in your mind? I'm gonna tell you, the, I'm completely ruined by uh, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation where the, the grandpa is like, the blessing, like that, that piece. Like every time I hear the word blessing now, that's all, Pastor Jeff will be up here and he'll say it and I'm just thinking in my mind, the blessing, but this word here, when he says blessed, another translation says happy. All right? Happy are the poor in spirit. And in fact, the Beatitudes, that's what we call this little portion of scripture, the Beatitudes, that really just means a state of happiness or well being. Okay? So God is saying here, his blessings are on this type of person, or happy are the poor in spirit. Look, can I just put something to bed here for a second? God wants you to be happy, okay? He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be taken care of. He wants you to enjoy life, okay? Amen? He does not want you to be anxious. He does not want you to be depressed, okay? He does not want you to be addicted to anything, These are some things, some hard, fast rules of what God wants and what God does not want in your life. And I feel like there are some people who get in this rut and you kind of almost think, even though you're a believer, you kind of almost think, well, like this is just the way it's gonna be. Right? God doesn't want you there. He doesn't want you to live there. And there's freedom for you. And he wants you to be whole. And he wants you to be happy. And the first thing that he says about the path to get there is that you gotta be poor in spirit. All right, now for some of us, listen, that word poor right there, like this this is interesting wording that Jesus himself uses because poor is like a a trigger word, right? For a lot of people. How many of you grew up not in the best of circumstances? All right, listen, when I grew up, this this is a true story, uh, our neighborhood, you know, we had kind of a rough neighborhood. And I remember one of my friend's house. I went over to stay all night with him. Now, this is like the late '80s, probably early '90s. And I went over to his house, and he, this, my friend, did not have plumbing in his house at that time, right? And I remember he had like this bucket in his bedroom, and he's like, "Hey, if you got to use the bathroom, go in the bucket, and we'll put it in the yard afterwards." And I'm like, "I'm good, bro. I'm no." And remind me, don't. I'm never gonna go in your yard or your bedroom ever again. Right now, now listen, we had, a, we had a bathroom in our house, but we, so I'm the youngest of five, so we had seven people in our home, and we had one bathroom, all right? So like you had to get in there, and you had to get your business done, because there's somebody knocking on the door like right after you, like all the time. It was just a, that, that bathroom got abused and destroyed. Like I have four bathrooms in my house today, and I still can't find, like, I don't even know how that works because we've only got four people. Like, how does that, the math add up? Like, somehow there's, there's, the bathroom is always feels like it's occupied. But Jesus is saying here, he, he, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And when he says that, it's probably got to conjure up a lot of feelings for these people. You know why? Because nobody wants to be poor. Okay? Nobody wants this. And in fact, all of the characteristics that he describes in the Beatitudes, several of them are things that people probably don't want to be. Like he says, he says, poor in spirit. The next one, he says, those who mourn, right? God blesses the ones who are meek, he says. God blesses the peacemakers. How about this one? God blesses those who are persecuted and mistreated, right? This is his first message his first public appearance, his first major message to the masses, and he's saying these things. And listen, these weren't popular ways of living today. They're not something you're gonna hear your life coach say, and they weren't popular ways of living back then. Can I just tell you, there are so many people today telling you how you should live and like giving their example and putting their voices out there, and we have so much information coming at us. Listen, the other day, I was listening to this uh uh, interview from a guy um, from, uh, what's his name? Andrew Tate, okay? Now, listen, before you, I, I don't know anything about Andrew Tate. I don't know what the controversy is about. I just heard a piece of this interview, right? And it, it kind of sparked my interest. I'm not defend, So don't write me emails, right? Because I'm just gonna delete it, okay? I don't know who he is. I'm not defending him or anything. He, but what I thought while I was listening to this is if anybody's listening to this guy, or anybody's listening to a political pundit, or anybody's listening to a a motivational speaker or a life coach or whatever, you better make sure that the words that you're allowing into your heart line up with Jesus's words. You better make sure that it lines up with this Bible because what Jesus is saying here, he's talking about a new way of living and he's addressing—he's directly addressing the human heart because here's why, because people have a propensity to crave what's good for us until it destroys us. And Jesus says this, he's like, I don't want you to be destroyed. In fact, the enemy is the one who came to destroy you and steal from you and kill you, but I came that you might have life. I want you to have life and life abundantly. And a good first step in order to have life or a blessed life or a happy life is to be poor in spirit, all right? So if you're taking notes this morning, I wanna share three attributes of what it looks like to be poor in spirit, all right? The first one is you have to recognize that you have nothing to offer to him. All right, now listen, you may think you do, right? But you're gonna have to come to an understanding that you have very little to bring to the table with the God who created the universe. So when I first got saved, I remember that everything was like focused on me, right? Like how much I can do and how how much I can stay away from sin and how much I can read and how, or how much I can fast or worship or, uh, or, or tell other people about Jesus or whatever it was, like it was completely focused on me. And I was absolutely convinced that God had like hit the jackpot, right? He was gonna use my skills and my abilities and the things that I was good at in order to fulfill his purposes here on the earth. Okay, but here's what I've learned over a little bit of life is that God continually chooses to use me in the areas that I'm very weakest so that he can get the glory out of it and all he requires is my yes. Like all he requires is me just saying, okay, Lord, like I'm, I'm good with what, whatever you want. I'm good with that. There was a story in the Bible where uh, these uh, people are bringing a lot of children to Jesus and his disciples, the Bible says his disciples scolded them. And Jesus says, no, 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 hang on, hang on. Let the little kids come to me. And he prays over them and he touches them and he blesses them. He puts his, put, puts his hands on them. He says, he says, unless you become like a little child, you're not even gonna be able to get into heaven. Now listen, I feel like I've read that a lot of times. That's a serious statement. Like he says, unless you receive it like a kid, you're not even gonna get in. And he says, listen to the words he uses here. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They're the ones who are gonna inherit the kingdom, the ones who can receive it just like a child by grace through faith, amen? Ephesians chapter two, verse eight says this. He says, God saved you by grace. I don't remember if I gave that, yeah, perfect. God saved you by grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift. Everybody say gift. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece, and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Listen, do you know he has good things planned for you? He has planned for you to do good things and he planned them long ago, like way before you were on this earth, way before you were ever in your mom's belly, way before you were ever conceived or even thought of, God had planned good works for you to accomplish before the beginning of the earth. Amen? All right, number two, okay, for a person to be poor in spirit, you have to have complete dependency on Jesus, all right, so now in the Old Testament, there was this story about this drought that came and all the crops had died. And God tells his prophet Elijah that he's gonna take care of Elijah through a, a widow woman in this town called Zarephath, okay? And he goes to Zarephath and he finds this widow woman. And listen, how many of you know that when God asks something of you, he has a plan to bless you through it, amen? Amen. In fact, it's God who asks of you. It's God who supplies whatever he's asking. And then it's God who rewards you for just being obedient and just giving your yes to to accomplish his plan. And so he goes to her and she says these words. She says, look, I've got a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And literally, I'm about to make our last meal. And most likely after that, we're gonna die of starvation. And he says, okay, do exactly what you said, but I want you to make make a meal for me first, right? Let me partake of it first. And then God's gonna take care of everything that you need. And she trusts what God says. And the Bible says that that barrel of meal and that cruise of oil never, ever ran dry until God came and provided it from another source. Listen, he's got everything you need. He's got it all lined up. Hannah, he's got everything you need, right? Hannah got in a car accident yesterday. She needs a car, okay? Hey, that's. he's got everything that you need. He said, consider the lilies, right? They don't work or they don't make their clothing, but look how God takes care of them so perfectly and so beautifully. He said, look at the birds. He said, they don't plant or harvest. And yet God feeds every single one of them. He says, God knows when a little bird falls out of the sky. And he says, aren't you more important than the birds? Right, God's gonna take care of you. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. He knows the situations that you're facing. He knows the trials that you're going through in life. He knows every single thing about you. God's even taken care of me. Listen, even when I've made mistakes, even when I've messed up, God's taken care of me. Look, I'll tell you a story. This, this happened just here recently. Megan knows about this uh, on my work. So a lot of you know that I work in defense and I hire people on contracts like all around the country and do different stuff. And I had moved into a different position last August. And about October, like one of the very first things I did is I hired this guy to to work in Georgia. And I put him on this contract, a young guy and hard worker and just wanted wanted to please everybody. He's doing a great job. He has two young kids. And I put him on this contract. I hired him out there. And then I realized like as I had spent more time in the position that this contract was ending in June and I had literally taken this guy from one job, taken him out of his job to hire him at this company, and I'm gonna have to call him up and tell him that I did not read the contract properly, and that I was gonna have to let him go. Like, he's just gonna have to go look for a new job. And look, I wasn't in trouble at work, it wasn't anything about, uh, about that. I had messed with this guy's life, right? I had, like, I- I'm, gonna, I'm getting ready to cause a major issue for this guy. And, and I was just like sick about it. I was like, I gotta, I, I gotta tell him. I want him to be prepared and want him to start looking for a new job. And like, I'm praying about this and, and, and I pick up the phone and I start to call him. Now listen, Pastor Jeff always says something. He says, if you're looking for the will of God, follow peace, right? And I pick up the phone and I start to call him and there's just something inside of me that's just like, wait. Right. And listen, I'm not that type of person. If there's something weird or something, you know, off between us or I'm like, hey, we have to talk right now. Right. I don't care what's going on. Leave work like we we are going to resolve this right now. But right. I pick up the phone and I'm getting ready to call him and I just hear like something in my my spirit just say like, wait. And so it's later on that week, and I'm like, I gotta call this guy. And I pick up the phone, I start to call him again, and I just feel that same thing again, just like, wait. And it happened three, three different times. And then finally that week, I'm doing some other stuff. Like I'm not even thinking about this, not even thinking about this situation. And just something in me is like, pick up the phone and call him right now. And so I pick up the phone and I dial the phone and I pick up, I didn't text him or anything. I just call this employee who really, I never you know talked to on a regular basis. And I just call him and he picks up the phone and he answers and I said, hey, I really need to talk to you about something. He's like, oh, is this about the contract? I'm like, what? Like, what? How how do you know anything about this? He says the new company who's taken over the contract just came in. They had a big conversation with me. They're hiring me at my same rate of pay. I, I'm, I'm gonna stay in my same position. I'm I'm I, you know I've got all my benefits. It's all taken care of. And yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for taking care of that for me. Like he says this to me on the phone. Like, thanks for taking care of that for me. I'm like, uh, you're welcome, right? and I hang up the phone and I'm thinking about how God just like took care of this, right? It's my mistake. It's my fault and God steps in and he just takes care of this. And I've seen this repeatedly over and over in my life. Look, when my kids were little and you would ask them like, hey, where's dad, right? They would be like, well, he's at work. and Well, okay, well, what's your dad do? I don't know, right? Well, where's, where's he work at? I don't know. Well, when's he coming home? I don't know, right? But they just knew that dad was at work and he was taking care of stuff, right? He's gonna take care of everything that I need. He's gonna take care of everything that concerns me. That's a good model of being poor in spirit, right? Well, How's God gonna take care of this situation with this guy in Georgia? I don't know. Well, well what are you gonna do if it doesn't work, work out, right? I don't know. But here's what I know, that God is taking care of stuff. And listen, I'm just poor enough in spirit. I'm learning, I'm learning this as a life process on how to trust him and how to understand that, look, I'm not gonna be able to come up with a solution. I'm not gonna be able to come up with the answer. I have to be poor in spirit and I have to trust in the Lord to take care of me and everything. There's a scripture in Romans chapter eight, I think it's verse 32. It's one of my favorite scriptures, and it says this. It says, if God didn't spare Jesus, if God didn't withhold giving Jesus to us, how is he not also gonna give us everything else that we need, right? If he gave us Jesus, then he's gonna take care of my little problems at work. He bankrupt heaven with the most valuable, precious price that he could have paid for me. So how's he not gonna take care of everything else? Amen? All right, number three. Ray, you can come on up. To be poor in spirit, your confidence has to rest in who he is, okay? Now, in the Old Testament, there's this story about <clears throat> Moses, and he's going into the promised land. He's getting ready to go. And the Lord tells them to send 12 spies out, right? To check out the promised land and check out what's going on there. Okay, and they go into this promised land and they bring back this report. And they said, hey, look, the land is beautiful. Okay, the land is fantastic that the Lord has promised us. But He says, but, they, but, but, but 10 of them, they say, the people though, they're really strong. And they're really powerful. And their cities are fortified. And they're stronger than us. And, and here's the words. I love the words that they used. They said, we felt like grasshoppers in their sight. Okay? You ever feel like that? Like you're around? <laughs> Look, I've been in meetings before. And like everybody in the room is way smarter than I am. And I feel like, like this big, right? A little, little grasshopper. See, their confidence was in their ability and not God's ability. And here's what I love. He says, not only we we felt like grasshoppers, but they said, uh, sorry, I'm trying to find it. He said that we felt like grasshoppers and that's what they thought too. That's what they said. That's what, like, how did you know what they thought? Right, here's the thing. The enemy will get you so focused on you and so twisted around your mind that he'll convince you that other people are thinking about you. And other people are talking, look, I, I have this. I think like, well, what did that person mean by that? Right? And I get in my mind and I'm thinking like, like, like I, I'm thinking that, look, can I give you a little secret that's gonna help you in life? Nobody's thinking about you, okay? They're not concerned. Look, everybody in here, they got their own issues. They got their own problems. They're not thinking about you. Right. The problem is we get our confidence wrapped up in who we are and not in who he is. So here's the deal. Tomorrow morning, we're going to close out the service here in just a minute. Tomorrow morning, you can either go to work in your strength or you can go in the Lord's strength. All right. You can either invest with your intellect or you can ask the Lord, like, God, where do you want me to put my money? You can love your family and your friends with your energy or you can ask the Lord to love them through you because you've only got so much time with this group of people that he's he's put you with. Listen, he said this. He said, it's not going to be by strength. It's not going to be by might. It's not going to be by power. It's not going to be by your brilliant plan. It's going to be by my spirit. I'm the one who did it. The victory's in me. I'm the one who's going to see you through this thing. I'm the one who's got you in the palm of my hand. I created the heavens and the earth, and I'm going to take care of you. I want to show you a picture real quick. Can you put that uh, photo up? Now, this is uh, me in Brazil, and this is a guy named Ron, and Ron was an incredible mentor of mine, um, and he was a great friend of mine. And uh, show, show the next picture. Um, this is a picture of us with one of his, we call him godchildren in Brazil. It's, you know, like you can sponsor a child and take care of one of these kids, and, and this was him with uh, with one of his godchildren. So... As we're at the lake, as we're at Norris, I get this phone call and, and I knew this had been coming. Ron had some health complications and, and he was gonna have to require a a pretty pretty major surgery. And so while we were down there, I got a phone call that he's going into the surgery, right? And we had just had lunch, I think like two, two months prior. And I'm touching base with the family on, you know, while this is all going on and there are some ups and downs and then there are some complications. And then, and then Megan texts me one morning and Ron has gone on to be with the Lord, okay? Now listen, Ron meant a lot to me and we spent a lot of time together and we went to a lot of countries together and we prayed together and this is a difficult thing to pro- And so I'm in this, I'm in phase three, right? I'm in my introspection phase, okay? And all of this starts, starts going on. And here's what's crazy to me. Like after Ron passes and we have this funeral, like the world just kind of keeps going, right? And, I, and I'm thinking about this and like, like it, does, it feels like everything just needs to stop for a minute and like, like focus on like the, the great man of God that we've just lost. And here's the thing. This is, this is, what, this is what's crazy to me is I watched Ron go through a lot of things in life, like good things and bad things and normal things and the car breaks down and the kids are, you know, crazy and like all of these normal things, right? And then I watched him go through some like major things like like health crisis, right? And I watched him go through I watched him lose his job and there was a lot of craziness with that. And like his whole family, like there's this time of upheaval and like really radical major life stuff. And you know what? Today, none of that means anything to him. Like all of that, the most crazy things, good or bad, that I can think of in his life, that's just a blip on the radar. None of that lasts. But you know what does last? All right, go back to that last picture. Okay, when we were in Brazil, and a lot of you know this story, and I'm not gonna go into it, but we had some crazy situations and a crazy experience, and and listen, there were several times that that, that that work was gonna close. And Ron believed with us, and he prayed with us, and he fought with us, and he helped to form a transition plan so that this could become what is today Mission Ahava, okay? And there are 600 kids in Brazil today who are being taken care of and countless thousands of others over the last two decades who have come through there, who their whole life has been changed. All because this guy just said yes to the Lord. Now, here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. Half of those kids, they don't even know Ron's name. They don't even know who he is. But heaven does. Heaven knows who he is. Right? All God's looking for is our yes. He just wants your obedience. He just wants you to say yes, Lord. I'm gonna be poor in spirit and I'm gonna come to you with my heart open so that you can direct my life and and I'm gonna take a back seat and I'm not gonna direct it, amen? Come on, would you stand with me? I wanna read a scripture to close this out this morning. We're gonna close here in just a second. This is out of Psalm 112. And if they can put it up on the screen, I want you to just kind of read along with me. It says, praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy. How many of you wanna be, hey, I'll take that, right? And their good deeds will last forever. He says, light shines in the darkness for the godly. It's like those kids in, in Haiti. Light shines in the darkness for them. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous, like Ron, are gonna be long remembered. For they do not fear, listen, listen, this is the part I want you to take. I want you to take this home with you, okay? If you need to highlight this verse in your Bible, if you need to write it down, whatever you need to do, put this on your bathroom mirror. They do not fear bad news, but they confidently trust in the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. How many of you say, I want that to be me? I want to be confident. I want to be fearless. I want to face my foes triumphantly. Listen, the only way that you can do that, Jesus is saying, is to come to me and be poor in spirit. Okay, just come to me. That's what he's saying this morning. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? I wanna ask with every head bowed, every eye closed, if there's anybody in here, and you're just, you, you, you wanna be 100% honest, you wanna be transparent, you wanna worship the Lord in spirit and truth, you wanna say, Lord, I know I'm not following you. I'm not following you, okay? I'm not gonna get into, are you a Christian? Are you not? Are you going to heaven? Are you, did you say a prayer one time? Are you following Jesus? And if you're not, I just want you to raise up your hand because we're just gonna say a prayer for you, okay? Everybody's got their eyes closed. Just raise up your hand. We're gonna say a prayer. Okay, thank you for those hands. All right, listen, we're gonna pray this prayer together, okay? I want you to repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I wanna be poor in spirit. So I come to you and I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to rescue me. I'm asking you to guide my life. And I commit that I'm gonna follow you for the rest of my days. I commit my life to you. I commit my ways to you. And I commit to be poor in spirit to you in Jesus' name. All right, now listen. I'm gonna share one secret with you, okay, real quick, okay? We were created to worship. Okay, if you don't know that, I wanna... The Bible says we were created to worship. And you got this little like God-shaped hole in you, right? And if you're not worshiping God, you're gonna find something to fill that with, right? That may be your job, that may be money, that may be fear of people, that may be your spouse, that may be your kids, whatever it is, the Lord says, I'm the only one that belongs on that throne, right? I'm the only one that you need to be focused on this morning. Okay, so as you're going through your week, I'm gonna encourage you to take some time, just like we did at the beginning of service. I want you to just put your mind on him, put your thoughts on him, put your heart on him. Just focus on the Lord and focus on what he has for you. Amen, all right? Now listen, as a way of closing out this morning, we're gonna have elders up here for anybody who needs prayer afterwards, okay? But I wanna pray this prayer over you. I wanna pray Psalms 112 over you. Okay, so listen, if you've you've never done this before, I'm gonna encourage you, just lift up your hands. This is just, all this is, this is a universal sign of surrender, all right? If you're comfortable, just raise up your hands, okay? Now, Lord, we pray this morning over your people. And we pray, Father, that by your anointing, God, that you set them free, Lord. Anybody who came in here with addiction this morning, anybody who came in here with depression, anybody who came in with anxiety, Lord, we're praying that you set them free, Lord, and not that they would go back, but that they would be free indeed, Lord, because of your anointing. Now, Lord, we pray Psalm 112 over them. I pray that you bless them and you make your face to shine on them, Lord. I pray that they would delight in your commands and they would fear the Lord, that their children would be successful everywhere. Lord, that you'd make them blessed and you'd make them wealthy, that you'd make their good deeds to last forever, Lord, that you'd let your light shine in the darkness for them so that they would not be overcome by evil. And Lord, we declare this over them every person in here, that they would not fear bad news, but they would confidently trust in the Lord to care for them, that they're confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and we thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give him one hand clap of praise because he's worthy, amen. Praise God. Listen, we're going to have the elders up here after the service. You can come up and pray. We'll see you next week. Be blessed, church.